Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Shai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom, and welcome to an awesome show that we have today. We have Malka Fleischer on uh, on the new Pompeo Doctrine, on Saib Barakat in uh, Israeli hospitals, and on the vote in America. And, of course, we're going to start the discussion about the Torah portion of Noach, which goes on with Rav Mike Foyer. Rav Mike rocks it, as usual, with some deep content about what the Torah portion of, of Noah's Ark, which is really so universal and so interesting for so many people. So we have an awesome show, and we have God with us, hopefully. We are trying to bring God into the show, and he's our, we're his co-pilots, or we're his really, we're not his co-pilots. No, 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 he has no co-pilots. I'll tell you what he has. He has some officers, and we are indeed trying to be officers in his army to do great things, and you're on board, you're part of that, and you're an officer wherever you are, just a little bit of inspiration from the land of Israel. So here we go with Malka Fleischer. Shalom and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are, and shalom to the various ways that we're broadcasting. Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, Twitter, and of course the Land of Israel Network, and YishaiFleischer.com. Thank you so much for being with us, and it's a great, uh, it's, been a, it's been a very interesting week, and it's a great Torah portion as well, and I am wearing, you could see in the background if you're watching us on the, uh, on the Facebook or whatever, you could see the, um, the background of the Ark, Noah's Ark, and I'm wearing this week, people can see my Lego rainbow watch, all right? Uh, my Lego, what? Look at that. It does yeah, something it funny. it's a little green because you have a green Lego. That's right. Check that out. A, yeah. And that is because, of course, it is the Torah portion of the rainbow. Now, the rainbow isn't necessarily a great image sometimes. Uh, why is it not a great image? Because it reminds God of why he, like, destroyed and won't destroy the world again. And, in fact, our sages tell us that there were generations that didn't have a rainbow because they had a great righteous person living in that time. Uh, but be it as it may... Uh, we probably don't have such great righteous people. We just got to do the best we can. But here's the rainbow uh, on the watch, and uh, and it gets you going. I love this Torah portion, Malka. It gets me very excited. It's very iconic, um, and it's got this this thing like the world gets saved, and all around is a maelstrom. All around is a big, as we say in Hebrew. Here's the Hebrew word of the day, balagan. Balagan. That's which, an important one in yeah, Hebrew today. Right. Which means which means like big big fat mess. Uh, like a big, uh, confused world. Um, and that's well, what it feels you know, like sometimes. you could use Balagan, though, like, in the real slangy slang, you really could use Balagan as, like, that party was a Balagan! Right, that, that was you an know? awesome party. It's yeah. a Balagan. But generally, no. But generally, not really. Generally, it's usually your room is a Balagan. Clean it up. That's right. Like that. So the world the world was a Balagan uh, at the time of, uh, of, of Noah. And uh, it was saved through really this one ark. One way of thinking about it is that the world got destroyed. But another way of thinking about it is the world was saved. And it goes to show you that, that every single one of us can kind of save the world, save our world. also shows you that there's something about a nuclear family, about this, this like, this, the most basic unit of mankind is the family. Right. Uh, well, the Torah repeats this idea over and over again. Really, it's a lot about the families. It's a lot about the family. Yeah, the family you really. Got, you got Noah and his family. Yeah. You got Abraham and his family. You got Moshe and his family. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes in our lives, when things are messy outside, we just come home, and that's why it's so important to have the home be a safe place where you come home. Yesterday, came home, was a little bit frustrated. 
kicked back a beer, okay, and that was brought uh, you out some ice cream. That's right, and cookies and cream. Well, that's right. That cookies and cream was not for me personally. It was actually um, for our daughter Leah's thirteenth birthday. So Mazal Tov to Mazal you, Malka, tov, for yes. having uh, having a. Uh, some of our listeners have been listening since Leah Batzion, since before Leah Batzion was born, and uh, yeah, she turned thirteen. I did a ton of crying. I'll probably do some more crying, uh, but it's good crying. Well, yeah, it's good crying. <laughs> you know, it's it's a thing when your kids are growing up. It's uh, it's beautiful, and you want them to grow up, but also, you know, they're not small. Now she's a teen. I know I look really good for the mother of a teenager, right? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that, you, you surprised me with that. Uh, speaking of somebody who's not looking so good uh, right now is Saib Arakat, right. uh, who is... I think Davida, PLO chief negotiator. Chief negotiator, which is like what I do also. I'm also the chief negotiator. So he's okay? like your arch nemesis. He's one of them. I just think he's like there. Are, he's he's from a previous generation a little bit, and I I just don't see him as a, like he is a nemesis. I think, but he's being treated right now in an Israeli hospital um, for, for complications due to coronavirus. He's right, got, and he he's has got had a, he he already had a lung transplant, and so so he's definitely a person with uh, what they call high risk. Um, and there's been a lot of hubbub about that. There's been a lot of talk about that. I think that Davida Ivry has has found a fabulous term for what he really represents, other than like terrorist, nemesis, and all that. Uh, they call him, he calls him uh, anti-normalization. An anti-normal, anti-normalization, say Barakat. I like that very much because I think we're in a moment where like the big sweeping uh, uh, movement where the, where the, where the overarching atmosphere can be the Abraham Accords, but then you have people like Saeed Barakat who are anti-normalization and just want to hold on to the old way, the old conflict, uh, which they have... Which they've made. Which he they've made, made the old conflict. Right. Right. And he also made a he lot of... He created the old conflict. He was one of the people who was behind the con. The conflict... Conflict is such a like... It's such a um, denuded word. It's like... What you mean is the, like, grisly, bloody, rage-filled fight between our Israeli Jewish people and his people in which he, like, manipulated them into attacking our people in the most vicious ways. He His heyday, Ishai, was during, like, bus bombings when people would strap a bomb to themselves, which is cynical enough. And then go onto a bus and blow up grandmothers and little children. Right. Right? And it's like, in order to what? In order to what? They, first of all, fail. Baruch Hashem. Right? Fail. He's fa- achieved, fa- failed in... It's a fail. It was a failed move. Uh, he didn't achieve the things that he wanted. He didn't get what he wanted. Although he was one of the main um, kind of writers... Uh, and uh, what's yeah, the word? But, Planners behind the Oslo but what is it, what is which it that, was a big setback for, well, for Israel. Right, but what, what is it that he wanted? On a personal level, he's only gained and gained and gained. Right. He's only gained millions of embezzled dollars, and now when he's sick, he goes to his enemy without any problem. The enemy that he, up until five seconds ago, was telling people, don't use their stuff. Don't buy their stuff. Don't work with them. Don't have their students at your universities. Don't, like, take them seriously in any of their fields of expertise. Like, shut them out. And now, oh, look who's not feeling so good. And I got it. He was offered, by the way, to go to a Jordanian hospital. Right. Now, a few years ago, he had Jordanian citizenship. 
Um, I don't know. They Jordan was going through a process of um, revoking the citizenship of Arkat, uh, Mahmoud Abbas, and a few other big Palestinian Authority officials. I don't know if it ever officially was done, uh, signed and sealed, if he lost altogether his Jordanian citizenship. But his doctor was like, you want to go to Jordan to get medical treatment? And he's like... No, he wants to go no, to... I, I want to live. I want okay. to, yeah, I want to make it. So I want to go to like a nice Jewish Hadassah. Now, what's Hadassah? Like I imagine also... every woman in New York, like <laughs> giving giving her like her money after she went to Saks Fifth Avenue. She like gave some money to Hadassah and people all around, nice Jewish people all around the world who gave money to build hospitals. Uh, and, you know, I, I had an experience recently with Hadassah Hospital, the very same one that Arkot just went to. Um, I went to deal with the shoulder. Many of you have been following the saga of my shoulder um, and what's going on with that. So we finally made an appointment with a doctor uh, at Hadassah Ankarm Hospital. And I was sort of hoping that, like, the ambulance would pull up and we'd get to see um, Arkot, like, land or whatever at Hadassah Ankarm Hospital. But we went to, um, like, one, the old wing, kind of, of Hadassah and Karim Hospital. And on the wall, these, like, beautiful, I don't know if it's real marble, but it's, like, marble-looking walls are, like, all these names etched, 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 right, Ishai? Like, these all, like, all the way to the top of the wall and all the way down, names of people who were donors, uh, significant donors to Hadassah and Karim Hospital. And this is a hospital that was... Uh, Made by Jews, made by Jews, now certainly not just for Jews, certainly in, the, in Hadassah's whole uh, history. It has always treated anyone who needs treatment. It's a, you know, a hospital, right? And we're not um, so cynical as to not treat people. So it's for everybody. But like, let's be honest, it was a hospital made in the Jewish state for Jewish people. And here comes, uh, what's his face, Saib Arakat, and he's like, give me treatment. And of course, Israel agrees, Right. And that also has been a source of tremendous uh, conflict. I, is it right to be treating uh, a person who has done so much bad to our people? Right. Like he's, he himself has sent a lot of people to that hospital. And, and some people who didn't even get to that hospital at all. Some right. people who went straight to the ground. Here, uh, Lou Weiss writes, and I just put it up on the screen. Erekat is the founder of the Martyrs Fund that gives $400 million every year to terrorists and their families to kill Jews. Uh, also one of the founders of BDS, and he proudly proclaims that. Now he's right. begged to go to Hadassah. What a hypocrite. Right. So, But I just want to say one thing. A lot of people are like, don't treat him and all that. Should we treat him? Should we not treat him? I say, let's, let's not even go there. I, that's, a, that's just a way to get caught up in a, in a question of um, uh, what's called virtue signaling. Like, is it right to treat him, not right to treat him? Okay, so they're treating him so, so good, so he should live. But then he should go to jail. Meaning to say, like, like uh, let, let's not get into that small question of should we rescue him or not rescue him. That's that's okay. We're we're like that. We we rescue people. I dare say a Jewish doctor would probably rescue Hitler. Okay, uh, or or in this case, probably a Goebbels, which is more uh, more like what uh, better metaphor. Better that's metaphor nice, for right. who Erekat is. Uh, and but but that's really not the that's not the question. The question is who is this guy and what has he done? And also, by the way, not only against Israel. I, I wrote this tweet, and a lot of people like that. I asked a simple question. Do you see any Palestinian outpouring of prayer or support for Saeed Barakat? Nada. Not that we've seen. Nothing. Nothing. 
Nothing. Nobody cares. Nobody wants. Nobody wants this guy. They know what he's a, he's part of. He's part of a, a regime that wants to suppress right. and 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 suppress and, and take away their rights daily. Torture them for if they say anything pro-Israel or right. pro-normalization. You know there have been many pa- uh, Palestinian Authority residents and Gaza residents who've wanted Israeli <clears throat> medical treatment and who have received Israeli medical treatment. But he's been someone who has been against that. He doesn't want Palestinian Authority residents to go to Israel for treatment. It's like the first thing he does, the second he doesn't feel well. Um, And that kind of hypocrisy is not lost on anyone, not on us uh, here in Israel and not in the Palestinian Authority either. Right. So Um, we we just one second. We have a shalom from Katamon, from Jerusalem, Katamon, from our good friend Ryan. Ryan is also a great videographer. Ryan, how's the image looking? Are Are you happy with the sound? Are you happy with the image? What about the lip syncing with the sound? Is it is it working well enough for you? So let me know what you think, my good friend Ryan. And looking forward to seeing you again. Uh, speaking of that, Ryan, I might oh, be heading. Got, oh, sorry. Might be heading to the beach tomorrow. So if you're interested, the beach has heading, opened up. Yes, yeah, the beach. That's right. The beach has opened up because Corona has gone down. Right. Are you corona ready for that story, Malka? Um, I don't have the numbers, but basically, I think um, it's about it's about fifteen hundred it, people. Right. We're basically down to the kind of numbers we were seeing around July, mm-hmm. which is very encouraging, especially given the fact that we all went through a second round of closure here. Um, our little guy, Israel, went back to school officially, um, and he's pretty happy to be back in school. Um, our two big ones are still at home doing Zoom school. I have to say I'm very proud of them, and I think that all the kids, um, I guess a lot of you probably out there also have kids who are in Zoom school, and, like, you know, I, I try to, like, I don't try so hard, but, like, I try to sometimes, like, listen in on some of their classes, and I'm just, like... I just like get deer in headlights and I kind of like walk away. Why? Because of Because the... it's hard. It's a hard way to learn. They don't it's not like a beautiful movie set where they've set up all the lighting so pretty for you and like made sure everything is like exactly aesthetically right. It's like a teacher in their living room with a whiteboard who like has a window and like a little light and they're standing at this angle and you know yeah, their like... their computer Thing, you know, their computer camera is this good or that good. It's 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 not, and not to mention the fact that sometimes there's like a technical difficulty or their right. internet or, service. Or here's is a the best one: off. when one of the kids takes over the screen and starts scribbling. writing all over the screen, scribbling yeah, all over the screen. That doesn't happen so much but, to Leia, but that happens to. Leia. But on the other hand, I want to say that I do think that there has been uh, a learning of the technology. Right. Like I, I can see Elazar every day. Our eight-year-old is like our nine-year-old. He's like, every day he's like, look at this. I've learned how to do this on the computer. Yeah, it's and this. crazy. And I set up an email account for him like a couple years ago, and I've been viciously not giving it to him um, because I don't want. I, would, I don't think it was vicious. Like, I, like Militant, very. Maybe militant, yes. militantly. Not, militantly not giving it to him. Right. Not viciously. Right. Right. Yeah. So I just didn't want him to have it, and I like try to keep the kids away from all the things but it's just impossible now it's impossible to keep them away from the screens i've lost the war not just the battle no but lost but, the whole war but but and but, i anyway i finally wait, handed wait, wait. over to him his email account so that he can because he's even though he does a little bit play with some of the local local friends next door including a kid who already had coronavirus so we know that he's probably safe for the next few months uh to play with he plays just with, like, two boys who live basically right next door. He hasn't been hanging out so much with uh, friends from around. So I opened up his email so he can write to his friends and send little emojis to his friends and do little 
Google Hangouts with them. Yeah, that's what's so interesting. I'm always interested. Like like us grownups, Google chatting. Remember remember what was it called? ICQ? ICQ. ICQ. Remember we used to oh, chat? Oh, man. And you're just like, I can't believe I just sent you a message. Right. And you, you were able to send links and stuff. Like yeah. that was a technology that we passed and are now like in, in WhatsApp or whatever and, and in chatting and or Facebook chat. Like they're one technology behind us, the kids. And it, but it works for them, and it's just very interesting. I like to watch the progress right. of uh, of technology. Elazar, he's nine. He just figured out yesterday how to create his own Zoom link and send it to his friends. He had a Zoom. Right. He created a Zoom. I did not help Speaking him at all. of technology, we're being received. FYI broadcast receiving OK in Australia, and I see there the I think what looks like the Harbor Bridge in Sydney. Great and beautiful place. Um, all right, folks, what else, Maka, we have uh, on the docket? What's, what's, uh, well, I just wanted to say, you know, we were talking about Saeb Arakat and, and the policies of the Palestinian Authority and how that's gone. And I just want to say that, that Arakat's on his way out. And I don't mean that personally, necessarily. Um, you don't mean his body's on the way out. I don't mean that he's out, dying. But his I way of thinking. I mean that he's on the way out. And here we have, like, this is a tricky moment, right, because... Um, I have an article here about um, Sudan possibly being the next country to normalize with Israel. And even though Saudi Arabia was like, oh, no, like we're so far away from normalizing with Israel. There's like still talk all the time. Like every other day, there's some kind of article, like little mysterious article about Saudi Arabia and what's going on. And you have here Mike Pompeo, who's the secretary of state of of, uh, the United States of America, and there's an article here about how he's saying that he hopes that Sudan will be the next and that to recognize Israel and that that will be very soon. Um, and here's what he says. He said that the United States wanted every nation, here's the quote, to recognize Israel, the rightful Jewish homeland, to acknowledge their fundamental right to exist as a country. I just love it. I just love it. I can't Did you help tweet it. that yet? Exactly. I haven't tweeted that yet. Take that. No, I will. I should. I will. Uh, I'll, yeah, or I'll send good. it to you and you can tweet it. One of us will tweet it. That's very good. But um, you have elections coming up and America is like, I don't know. I don't know, Americans. You can tell us. Comment here. Um, we're, we're live on StreamYard and you can comment here about how you feel. Uh, we're also on Facebook and we're on Twitter. Is that where we broadcast live yeah, right yeah. now? Yeah, the, 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 the the, that, the StreamYard is the software behind uh, it, but really it's it's Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and of course later on the Land of Israel Network as a podcast. Right, so please feel free. Let us know what is it like politically right now in America. My feeling is that it's like a powder keg over there. It really feels like America is like it's so tense in the days coming up to this election. And um, I know that it's so sensitive and and people have all their reasons for voting this way and for voting that way. To me, it seems like if you're a pro, if you're voting, people vote like everyone has their kind of list of priorities or their like calculation, how they arrive at who is their best candidate. Some people it's obvious, some people it's not so obvious. But I would say if you are voting because of Israel policy, if you're a person who like wants if your number one thing is Israel and how it goes for Israel, I can't imagine not voting for another round of the Trump administration. Um, I get it that it's not like such a cut and dry issue for a lot of people and that there's other considerations and that there's certainly like issues pertaining to how you feel things are going inside the United States and what's best for the future of the United States inside the United States. 
But if it's just this one issue that's like your real concern, uh, you can't like make this stuff up. It's like you never saw such a. It's almost like philosemitism coming out of an American administration. Yeah, I have to say, Malka. Um, and I, you know, it's it's like it would be smarter of me not to get political overly here because you know you want to not. I certainly don't want to alienate anybody. And if we have Biden supporters who are listening to the show, I can understand you. Um, but I have to say that, you know, in the days coming up, uh, as a person who cares about Israel, then, uh, I, I've been very impressed with this administration. Very impressed. Yeah. I think, I think it's, I'm I think, grateful. I think it's definitely in the pro-Israel interest to vote for the Trump administration, but I think it's more than that. I think that we have a civilizational question coming right up. Uh, which is which way does like Western civilization go? Is it going towards the okay with China, okay with Iran, line up with the people that the, the Obama administration lined up with, which is the uh, the jihadists, the Islamists, the, the the sellouts to like a Chinese takeover, et cetera, et cetera? It's just a civilizational question now. Now, President Trump may not be your cup of tea on a personal level. Right. You may not want him to be like your uncle. Right. Maybe. Or maybe uh, you would. Or maybe you would, but maybe you won't. But I can understand if you won't. But I think in terms of policy, uh, it's really a question of, is it going to be the countries that have a backbone of morality, of the Bible, of... of well, of, when you say of, morality, of, of, Ishai, of, of, of I'm not sure that people... Of individual freedoms... Uh, of economic liberties, uh, of of uh, privacy as a concept, which I think today is a like the fight for for privacy. Basically, it's, in my mind, when you're fighting against the Chinese takeover, you're also fighting for privacy, uh, privacy right. as a value. So, so like the individual person, think about it. Does China value privacy? Obviously not. It's a corporatized communist place where they get into oh your kishkis privacy. Right, exactly. They're, they're, so they're, that's what they're, if that's what they're like in their billion people, that's what they're like for the rest of the people in the world. And they're using technology to peer into our lives and, and we have to suppress that instinct and rather still keep pushing for individual liberty and individual freedom, individual capitalistic economy uh, and a, a, a morality which means that fairness that is still important, that, that the strong is not strength and being able to dominate the weak is not the way that the world should be ruled, but rather every person has values, a value, excuse me, every person is important. Uh, and the whole host of ideas of, of the opposite of uh, imperialism of the new kind and rather, uh, and rather uh, national states, individual freedoms, individual liberties and, and morality. These are the things. So to me, like to me right now, this is a absolutely um, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's it's like a it's a it's a critical core, juncture. It's a critical juncture. It's a core core decision that the United States now the United States isn't everything. It's not everything. But as we have friends here right now in the broadcast from all over the world, nobody can deny that that one of the main pumpers of of the main the main uh, uh, broadcasters of of. Uh, of values in this world today is the United States of America. Right. And, and so it affects us. Now here in well, Israel... for the good and for the bad. Right, for the good and for the bad, correct. Right. Now here in Israel, we're, in, we're a proud, independent country. 
and I in no way, you know, pretend and want to be a 51st, 51st American state. No, no way, Jose. Uh, no way, Joe. But what I do want is, uh, is the world to have that. So that Trump administration is pro-Israel, that's very good. And that means that they're anti-Iranian nuclear expansion. That means that they're anti-jihadism that comes out of the PA. That means that they're anti-the anti-Semitism that comes out through uh, the United Nations and, and those kind of international bodies. These are all very important things. They want to recognize Jerusalem. They want to recognize Jewish rights in Judea and Samaria. These are gigantic things. These are huge things. And the other side, we know, see, the thing is about Biden is, we know where he's coming from. He's of the Trump. Uh, he's he's of the Obama administration. Right. Okay. And so we Not know to what they did. Not mention the fact that we can look back at his own personal history as a career politician and see how he's like basically talked about Israel, how he's talked about uh, Jewish life in Judea and Samaria. Uh, not like, for example, you have. Um, you have the United States, the, the current administration, the Trump administration, is talking about making some major um, international, quote-unquote, human rights organizations to, to dub them anti-Semitic. Uh, because why? Because of their BDS policy. And where does the BDS policy come from? Where does the boycott, divest, and sanction policy idea come from? It says, well, the Jewish people are trying to live in this place called Judea and Samaria, which we all know is Palestine, and they're totally stealing it. So what we're going to do is not work with any businesses who have anything to do with Judea and Samaria, and like anything else that we can do to pressure Israel to get out of Judea and Samaria. So basically what you can say is that the United States administration today is working to define anti-Semitism uh, in such a way as to also legitimize the rights of Jews in Judea and Samaria, right? This is a this is a this is a very big thing. Now you have Joe Biden, who himself had major arguments with some of our most historical figures, with Begin. Uh, with Menachem Begin, who he personally yelled at, right, and told him that he's uh, being—I forget what the word is that he that he used, but uh, something about creeping annexation or expansionist or something like that. Same thing with Golda Meir. Uh, the famous uh, prime ministers, and like that's the difference, right? You have one, and, you, and, and, you and, have and one. remember what the what the Obama administration did. They they created a deal with the Iranians in order to allow them to enrich enrich uranium towards a nuclear bomb. And at the very last moment, when they were almost done with their administration, they 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 pushed through an anti-Israel. Uh, declaration at the Security Council, right? And they weren't they weren't super, uh, you know, close with Israel. Also in the United Nations, always making Israel feel like at the last second the United States may not support us in the United Nations. They 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 made a Security Council resolution against us. They right. pushed it through. So then, so this is these are like fundamental fundamentally different outlooks toward Jews and toward Israel and toward our rights. Um, here in Judea and Samaria. I guess I guess it's like I'm looking at our background and our background is so so happy. Again, isn't that interesting? Like our background on video. On video, our background right, right now on video is like this, like the animals on the ark. Uh, and we got. And wait, it, let's see if I can point to it. We got the polar bear. Yeah, we got the polar bear, and there's the horse, and there's the monkey. That's okay, Maka. That's all right. We'll tickle under the chin. And there's a there's a, uh, a nice moose. There's a giraffe. And you know you're like it's you know it's it's something you put into nurseries, right? You ever wonder about that? You're like, hey, look, Noah's Ark. Ah, They're so happy. It's like and you're like, whoa. It's like whoa. The world was being destroyed, 
And these were the remnants. Yeah, this is like who got to live. Right. It's like, it's not so happy. And in fact, like inside the ark, the animals and the humans were really not allowed to procreate because they were in a place of... It was public. Well, yes. And also there was death happening all around them. And the world was being the opposite of procreating. It was being destroyed. But then when they opened up the ark, they were commanded to uh, go out and to be fruitful and multiply. By the way, just interestingly enough, uh, the ark landed in the mountain range of Ararat. Ararat used to belong to Armenia. Armenia, that land was taken from Armenia by the Turks. The Turks, the Turkmen of Azerbaijan, Azeris, who are basically Turkmen, uh, were in a big conflict right now with Armenia over this place called uh, Nagorno-Karabakh. And uh, Karabakh, and and thank God I heard that there's like a ceasefire that made me happy. But it was like it reminded me that the like a, a part of like where the world was reborn from Ararat is still very much in um, in, in in conflict. But my point is is that we look at this ark and we think it's so happy. But there's a there's outside there's a there's a there's a deluge there's a a, a cataclysm, a cataclysm. That's the translation of the word mabul in Greek is cataclysmos. Something like that, which is like, that's how the Septuagint translates it, which means like a cataclysm out there. And and that's what the world is right now. There's something very beautiful. There are beautiful things happening, like the Abraham Accords, which I think are rising up just at a time where you have an American election, an Israeli tension. You have, you know, uh, uh, accusations against, against Netanyahu. It's such a balagan, such a mess out there. Any other administration would have gotten a Nobel Prize for this. Uh, all these leaders, all these leaders should get a Nobel Prize. Now, now, involved in this. Interestingly enough, let's pick up a question from David Miller, who has a totally different take. David is writing in and he says, Love you guys, but no way Trump is good for Israel. His failure as the American president has dramatically weakened America. What good are these gifts to Israel if the U.S. can't effectively stand behind Israel? Trump has completely failed in the Middle East, Middle East turning Syria over to Putin. But that happened under Obama. You think that's good for Israel? He's an absolute disaster. All right. So there you go. I'm, I'm happy. Well, right. answer the question. Well, I think we answered it throughout. But right. A, the, the Syria thing was right. 100%. That's really not under That was Trump really happened under, under Obama. And, and, uh, and Putin came in and, and took over as a, strong, as a strong actor in the region while, while America was not a strong actor. With regarding to America being weaker... There, not, I, I there, mean, is that is, true? Is it true that America's weaker? America's it more divided. It seems to me that diplomatically, is America's on fire. I mean, I, I, right. it's true that Trump, as a man, is not like let me, let cool me in the in the school of of politics today. But like, are they not being successful in the tri- type of work they're trying to achieve? David, let me put it to you this way: Yishai Fleischer and Monka Fleischer think that Trump is good for Israel and for the region, but so does MBZ. And MBD, well, not MBD, that's, wait, MBD is Mordechai Ben David. So let's not get confused with that. You get MBZ, that's Mohammed Ben Zaid, and, and MBS, Mohammed Ben Salman. So the leader of the UAE, the leader of Saudi Arabia, and, the, and Isha and Malka Fleischer, we're all thinking in the same way. I don't know what to tell you, man. To us... Um, well, David responded that, that the uh, Syria turnover did not happen under no, Obama. No, it... it, 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 uh, it, it the, 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 remember the red line, the so-called red line, don't use chemical weapons and then nothing happened, et cetera, et cetera. It was clear that Obama was not going to engage in Syria, and, and, and he didn't. And then another strong actor came in, a classic strong actor in this region, which is, Here, which he is says, Russia. He's arguing back, Yishai. 
He says, our allies don't trust us. Our enemies don't fear us. Bad. Is that true? Uh, that is not the way I see it. But Malka, uh, we can't click on every message. David's got his perspective, and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and, I, and I appreciate the conversation very much. Uh, but our perspective is different, and that's the beauty of, of discussion and democracy, and that's what we're doing. But I do think that it is a civilizational moment, um, and I think that um, we have to definitely pray. We definitely have to pray. Uh, Shlomo Algera adds in, he says, you mean brokering a peace treaty with the UAE and Bahrain, moving the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem and recognizing Judea and Samaria as part of Israel or taking out Qasem Soleimani that put Iran into a position uh, to question twice to, to do these same actions? OK, we know the arguments they are back and forth. Shlomo, excellent points. There, there have been great in our perspective, there have been great achievement of this administration. And I urge uh People that want to know my opinion, because of course you're you're free to vote for right, who you, you want to. Right, you should certainly vote with your conscience and right. And uh, if you're voting for Biden, we love you and good luck, and we hope that everything works out for the that's right. Very very best for Americans within their country, that's yeah. for sure. And and for um, the, and, and for, for the, the whole world, like no matter what happens. There's people here on this on this broadcast right now from Australia and from the Netherlands, and they're all looking. They're all looking right now, uh, and I think that. Um, yeah, we're all looking. We're all let's now let us pray a little bit, friends. Yes. Now let's bring it back to Israel. Israel is the land of blessings. It's the land from where we pray to God. All prayers come through the land of Israel. Let's pray a little bit. Let's pray that that that, that God guides us in the right direction. We need a lot of mercy. We need mercy right. we, we, on we, this one. Right, and 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 we're let's let's for this Torah portion. Let's imagine ourselves on that ark. Let's imagine ourselves saying, God, you know, please stop this rain. Let the world come back to life. Let us land in the right place, in the safe place. Let us let us come out and and procreate again and, and remake this world in a, in a good image. Uh, so let's let's really let's really think like that. Um, that that this is a moment to come out of that sukkah. We came out of the sukkah, which is an ark, and the world is still a kind of like it's still raining out there, uh, and uh, we want to we want to live. And interestingly, here in Israel, we're actually praying for the rain because winter here in the land of Israel is when the things uh, actually um, flourish. And I want to, I, I, you know what, Malka, this whole time I was like, there's one more thought that I wanted to cover before uh, I forgot about it, okay. which is the tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs in Hebron. Okay. Many times I look at it and I think, this is Noah's Ark. Hmm. It's this, look at this, this building has never been destroyed. The temple was destroyed twice. Uh, the second temple that was built by the same man who built the tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs in Hebron was destroyed. But the tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs in Hebron never destroyed. And who's buried there? Two by two. Mm. Two by two. Two by two they come in there. And really they are the Ark of the World. Okay, the Noah's Ark of the World. There's something about their vision and their faith in God, which has withstood all vicissitudes and is a guiding principle in this world. And so to me, like there's something about the Marat Machpelah, which is this immobile thing. There's something that can't be broken, can't be touched. And around it, all crazy world, including in the city of Hebron itself. But nothing can touch the, the core of the forefathers and mothers. And therefore, let me just throw up a banner here. For the Jewish community of Hebron, that's the hebronfund.org. When you strengthen the Jewish community of Hebron, you're strengthening the tomb of the forefathers and mothers, and you're strengthening this thing, the, the, the message of the forefathers and mothers, which withstands the test of time, which is monotheism and morality and the service of God. 
and living a life in service of God. And I also want to recommend that people check out some of our other sponsors. The Maka, uh, natural goodness comes from the Holy Land in the form of salves of Jerusalem. Yes, I've been using salves of Jerusalem right. on my face at night. It's very, very nice, very I'm, soothing. I want to recommend rich, that they come out with a organic. new product. That's right, rich and organic. You're right, sorry I cut you off. I want to recommend that they come out with a new product, which is called Moses Glow, or just Moglow, okay? And you just you just <laughs> shine oh, you for it. That's funny. Right, yeah, Moglow. Uh, it's called salvesofjerusalem.com. Yes, Check that out. Uh, our good friends at Blessed by Israel. Blessed, the word B-U-Y. by. B-U-Y. B-U-Y, okay? The U is in the, the by. In that's the <laughs> So that's blessedbyisrael.com. You put in coupon code Yishai, and what happens? You get 12% off. And you know what? They just sent me a report. Hundreds and hundreds of dollars have been spent by viewers and listeners. by the you in buy. That's really neat. Yes. Check out. So that's blessedbyisrael.com. Check out also the best Jewish and Israeli news at jewishpress.com. You don't have to be Jewish to read jewishpress.com. No. Uh, And it's a great site that also promotes our show. They have a great newsletter. They have a great newsletter called the Jewish... Express for Jewish Press. I came up with that uh, years ago. And also our good friends at Trelet. That's the biblical blue string is back. back show them, Mishai. We're on video. Can you show them your blue yes, strings? Yes, there it is. Blue string, blue string. Yeah, they are. Yeah, that's chazak. That's the other Hebrew word which you already know from the show, which is chazak. chazak. you got to be strong. Uh, so that's some of our sponsors. And, of course, one of our great sponsors is the Land of Israel Network, landofisrael.com. And check out all our other shows, including all the other shows, which are really awesome. Uh, Maka Fleischer, I want to really thank you so much for being with me today. Uh, I urge also people to check out YishaiFleischer.com for more of our conversations. Uh, and I really want to thank the good folks from all over the world who jumped in and uh, and talked, including my good friend Lou, who says, uh, thank you, Yishai and Malka. Video and sound looks really good now. And Shabbat Shalom. Thanks, Lou. Thanks, Lou. And thank you, friends from all over the world, for being with us. Uh, it is just such an awesome pleasure to use technology to be able to send. Oh, look at that. I didn't know I could do that. Oh, check that out. Whoa. Whoa. Well, I didn't we know I could do that. We just increased our size on our screen yeah. here. Uh, I want you to know that it is an incredible pleasure to be with you from all over the world. Special shout out to my good friend Eric, who's the man. Uh, my good friend Ari Silverman. Uh, my good friends uh, in Northern California, the Knudsons. Uh, who are good friends, uh, my good friends in, in Atlanta. I have so many friends all over the world, my yeah, good we friends you guys. in Switzerland. We miss okay? everybody. Uh, I got the Michel family, who I love so much, who are, who are so close to me, uh, and many, uh, close to us, and there's so many. I'm just not always used to having you on That's the screen okay. here. So there are so many wonderful people that are part of our life, uh, and it's an incredible uh, gift to be able to be part of your life. So let's stay connected. Let's show the love to one another. And sometimes during this uh, deluge, this cataclysm, this maelstrom, and all these cool words, uh, we, we really, the way that we uh, show God that we want to be part of his world is by holding hands and by showing love for one another and by saying l'chaim, preferably on vodka. No, that's what I like, but you could say l'chaim on whatever you on want. On a wine from the, land, a of wine from the land of Israel. And I want you to just, this Friday night, say l'chaim to the land of Israel, to the good people of this world, and to life itself. That's let us, right. This, let is us, a, this is the Parsha, to really just be glad to be alive. That's right. I'm just glad to be alive. That's exactly right. it. I think that's what I'm going to call the show, Glad to be Alive. Noah, I'm glad to be alive. Uh, and I know that you're glad to be alive because because if you're alive, that means that God wants you to be alive right now. So uh, thank you so much for being with us. Lots of love and lots of blessings from the land of blessings. 
And Shalom Malka, thank you so much for being with us. And Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. All right, that was Malka Fleischer. Great to be with her. And now on to the Torah portion of Noach that I recorded with Rav Mike Foyer, our beloved teacher uh, from the Pardis Institute. Uh, and he gives us some really deep stuff. So stay tuned for that. Here we go with Rav Mike. All right, everybody. Shalom and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show with Rav Mike Foyer broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom and welcome to our very special and beloved guest, Rav Mike Foyer. Rav Mike, shalom and welcome. Shalom, Ishai. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. And I'm really excited uh, because this is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite it. tour portions. Don't say yes. it. <laughs> It's true, though. It's one of my I, favorite tour portions. It's just... I know on, you mean it. It's really it's really uh, iconoclastic. It is really an iconoclastic... No, that's uh, next week. That's right. That's the iconoclast uh, of Abraham. You're right. Uh, we'll talk about that next week. But this week, we're talking about something it's that's so... It's iconic. That's the word. Thank you very much. You know what? I actually have to get up for a second from my chair and just reach Uh-oh. on. Yeah, that's right. Wait for me here, everybody. I know. I'm covering up the... Uh, Whoa, he's breaking the third yeah. wall, the fourth no, wall. You know, you know what happened? I just looked over at my shelves, and I've got a lot of tchotchkes, and I just realized that I have this Lego watch, this rainbow Lego watch. So I'm going to take off my regular like IDF-type watch and put on my, uh, my, happy, my happy rainbow watch. Here. Go to the happy place. Go for to the, the happy place. That's right. It's my happy place. place today. And that's what I'm going to wear for the rest of the week, this awesome Lego watch, uh, because it's it's a happy place. It's like, exactly I like expect you, you to be posting pictures to Twitter that's, of you in bizarre and political places wearing yeah. rainbow Lego watch. You, you, you see that I, I have been very active on Twitter in the last few days. I don't know why. A lot of different things have, have angered me and gotten me going. So we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later on. Uh, somewhere in here. Oh, when we talk about spilling the blood of man, we'll talk about that. I'll ask you about your thoughts on healing Saib Arakat, the uh, PLO spokesman who's right now in uh, in uh, Hadassah and Karim in Jerusalem. In any case, let's actually talk about a righteous person for a second, and that is the righteous person of, of Noah. One of my real favorite verses, and I mean this very seriously, Rev. Mike, one of my favorite verses in the whole Torah was in last week's Torah portion, which introduced Noah, and that is at the end of the Torah portion of Genesis, which is like the Torah portion of creation. It's like the world is being created. It's really very hopeful, right? God is is making life happen, and he's making light, and he's making the stars and the heavens and the waters and the animals, and it's so, so beautiful, and everything says Kitov. It's all good. It's, it's, it's all good with the capital G. It's like the good of goods, right? It's like God is doing something because he's trying to do a good, a gift to the world. A real, like the word good that really comes from the word God. It's like the ultimate goodness that God has ever done for us is giving us life and giving us creation. Um, but then at the end of the Torah portion, there is disappointment. You know you know how you know how they have in the in those PBS specials where like the worst thing you could do is disappoint your father? You know that one? Missed that one, but I believe you. You know they're like they're like they're like like son. I'm really disappointed in you, and that's the most like that's the most heartbreaking thing of them all, right? And so, and so, at the end, God at the end of the creation of Genesis, God is disappointed. It's like, it's like it's not so good what He made after all, and the heart of man is just bad all day long. And it's like God seeks to destroy the world he created. That's, that's a, th- there's no more powerful indictment than that. 
It's, it's listen. It's a heavy moment. It's a heavy moment. The verse that you're speaking about, I assume, is here in uh, chapter five, twenty nine. Or you're talking about the original experience that God, God looks at the world and, and uh, yeah, God looks at the world and he's and he's disappointed and he, and he thinks to himself, "Let me destroy the world." And and then there's this verse, which I think is one of the most beautiful and maybe hopeful, later. maybe hopeful verses in the whole Torah, which is. Venoach matzachen beinei Hashem. It's right. like you know what I want to destroy the world, but there's one thing that I do like, something I like about it. And you know, Rabbi Nachman will say things like, when you're angry at yourself, when you're disappointed, when you're bitter about the world, look for something that you like, and 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 in yourself, find that little spot that you like about yourself. I have actually practiced this sometimes when I'm in a really bad mood. I just remember this now. Sometimes when I'm in a really bad mood, I look at just something physical that I like. It could be a car. It could be, it could be I don't know, it could be a tree. And I just go, that is beautiful. And that's just an easy way to, uh, to get yourself out of it. But the point is, is that Noach is this person that God's like, you know what, I like you. But what it means, like, maybe I'll keep the whole world alive because of you or I'll through you, I'll keep the world alive. Like there is, there is a hope. To quote Star Wars, you know, there's, there's like a hope, uh, and and that's what Noach is. He's he's a messianic character because he's going to save the world from being totally destroyed. Although the rest of the world is destroyed ostensibly, uh, but there's 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 a hope because there's a Noach, and that hope is going to later transcend through Abraham and the Jewish people. There's like a hope. There's like an in in the end. I wanted to get to this, but maybe I'll say it now. The Ark, and I don't mean this kind of Ark, I mean the, the boat Ark, the Ark of, Jew- of history is the Jewish people. That's this thing that throughout generations that, that, that finds favor in God's eyes and, and the world keeps going because of that. What do you think about that? I mean, I don't know how far you want to go with it. I mean, now the verse that you're, you're speaking about in the Itzavon is, um, this is... Uh, Right? It's here in chapter 6, line 6. That God regretted, if we could be so bold as to translate it that, that way, making humanity on, on the land. Right? And now remember, the first appearance of Itzavon, God created. That it was in response to Adam and Chava and their eating from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But if you look back, the etz of Tildibanim, right, the Itzavon comes into the world as the consequence of eating the fruit, but it's, it's, it's God's decision. And to a certain degree, there's a very, um, very deep theme in this where, where the, you see that creation is an unfolding divine thought. It's not that God doesn't know all. It's that there's an act of, ex, of almost like divine self-exploration. Let's, let's create humanity. Let's see how it works. Ooh, it's not going so well. That hurts. Hurts when you when your goal is to create a, re- a real creation that has a uh, its own independent relationship and it doesn't go well. So, I mean, it's it's a beautiful image you're giving that Am Yisrael is the arc of history with a K. Um, uh, but remember that that is bound up with a lot of pain. Right. Now, it's not a it's not a neat arc with a C. Meaning, right. meaning just the, the destruction that we're going to see in this week's parsha is a theme which will return, and in many ways, God's promise to never destroy the whole world again is not extended to Israel. Okay, never destroy 
old Am Yisrael, but 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 you know the destruction of the first temple, the destruction of the second temple, the the Churban that our grandparents' generation lived through in Europe. These are very real reenactments of the destructive power when when uh, when we fail in our mission or when we simply suffer. Because it's not. I don't know that it can always be traced to our actions. Right. So I don't know. I this is it. You open up a big can of worms. Is what I'm basically saying. Right. Well, and, and well last that, week's Parsha. I don't know. Well, a can of worms is is exactly what the Ark itself is, the Noah's Ark. It's a can of worms. It's this can floating on top of the world. The world has been destroyed, and it contains with it uh, the DNA, the information to reestablish the world. And I guess maybe if if like you you kind of threw out the Holocaust, the survivors of the Holocaust were the ones that kind of reestablished the Jewish world and and then re, you know repopulated the land of Israel. Uh, but I, I want to actually your you, your your imagery of can of worms reminded me that there's also a component. Uh, there's like a sub discussion going on here, which is the discussion of science, the power of science. Sure. Um, one of the things that Noah did in order to bring uh, solace to the world is he actually had the ability to he figured out the ability to use farming equipment to undermine some of the curse that the land was cursed with after it's the original John Deere. That's what I like to say. Right. So he, he actually, he actually like brought technology and that technology was as promised in, in, in generations close to ours was supposed to free us from some of the constraints that just survival cost us. So there was something beautiful about technology. It's interesting to me that also the 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 thing that 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 Noah uses in order to save the world is this ark. It's not prayer. It's not like it's not some kind of spiritual ethereal thing. It's like a very technological thing. You'll save it by building this boat. This boat is what's the, you get on the physical boat. That's what's going to save you. And and I've said to you in previous years that that I I have this like theory. It's it's more like a I don't know if it's a theory. It's a fancy that really Noah is a great scientist and he is keeping all the animals. And status uh, through like test tubes, you know, it's like a test. It's a big test tube, a boat. It's a boat of like these, like it's like a far side. Can you see it? It's like a far side cartoon. You have this ark, but inside it's really like this, like you know, Noah with a white robe, and and he's like has all these test tubes, and he's got all these animals in potential and status. Is that the right way to say it? Stasis. Uh, stasis. Thank you. Thank you. I, I knew there was something wrong there. A stasis, like in a. In a in a um, state of like suspended of animation, that's the one. That's the one. Suspended, and really, there is American. a tale here of animation uh, or deanimation and reanimation. Is there such yeah. a word as deanimation? Did I just make that up? Is there such I a thing? Google it. All right. De-an- anyway, <laughs> I think it makes perfect now. sense here. And 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 you know what? I'll actually I actually turn it to you in a question. I'll form it to you in a question. Uh, it says in the beginning that, that Noah had to bring in the animals, and it says that they came to him. This is verse chapter 6, verse 20. Um, Yavo elecha. They'll come to you. Right? They'll come to you. But then, way later on, it says, here it is, in chapter 8, verse 17, it says, Hotzeh, but the read of it is, uh, the way it's written is Heitze. It says Hotze, but it's read Heitze, which means, according to Rashi, if they don't want to leave, uh, you got to push them out. Yeah, like they're gonna they're gonna come in to be saved, but when it's time to come out and live, they may not very well want to come out and live. 
You're going to have to reanimate them. What do you think about that? I mean, I don't. I mean, from a scientific standpoint, I'm not sure, but I'll tell you what it brings up for me, which is this whole um, lockdown release paradigm that that uh, we've been living through, and that large parts of the world's been living through. Is that is that um, it's easier to go in than come out. So that there's there's something very com- oddly comforting about crisis. Mm. Is that is that when 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 the whole world's reduced to the walls of the ark, as frightening as that is as um as uh sort of like unreal as the situation may be you know what needs to be done you know hunker down and survive right the 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 challenge is that when you come out now you have to build a world that was better than the one that preceded it otherwise you don't merit meaning you know and and we know how noah ends his story it's a discussion maybe we'll leave for a little bit later but but it's a very heavy burden to know that that okay you may have saved yourself your family the animals but have you really changed the human condition because god said that that's kind of built in in which case on some level you have to ask yourself where this is all going Mm. and and, um and and so therefore there's a reluctance to re-engage with life because there's no guarantees in life there's no promise of a happy ending all there is is the possibility that you could build something new right and, and, and sometimes through the story of the Ark, I understand also the ultra-Orthodox Jewish community, which kind of is like, we're saying, as, uh, as religious and Zionistic Jews, we're saying, uh, we've come home. This is the third coming. This is it. We're, build, we're, we're putting down roots in the land of Israel. We're going to build a third temple. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, we're still on the journey. Jerusalem is no different than... Vienna or uh, or Vilnius or or Addis Ababa or 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 uh, the port of Aden or or any other place that we've been or New York City right. for that matter, we're just still on journey. We're still on the ark. We're like, no, the the ark has landed on Mount Ararat, and in this case, our Mount Ararat is Mount, Mount Zion. Moria. <laughs> right, and 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 we're like, no, this is it. We're landed. We got to come out. They're like, no, we don't come out of the ark because we're still on the ark. And then and then sometimes a World War II will come around and we'll push you out of the ark. And be like, no, you need to be pushed out. You need to come out, or maybe, or maybe as World War Two or the Shoah, the the Mabul, right? And it still says, no, stay in. But like in my in my in the way I see it is, no, it's it's time to come out and for and put those roots down in the land. You got to come out and and get out of uh, what, how did we call it? Uh, stasis. stasis, not stasis, right? Exactly. Suspended animation, and, right? And reanimate. Listen, but there's huge risks, and that's why there's fear around it. Meaning, you know, the seed model, which is kind of the model that you're sort of, you're mapping that, you know, seeds are incredible. They can survive anything. I mean, you're surely aware of the fact that they've managed to germinate a seed that from Herod's time of the, this, you know, date palm, I think they're calling Methuselah, which is like, you know, fits the Parsha time. Um, you know, but a seed can survive, but a but, uh, plant in flower is very vulnerable. Right. Because that seed rots in the ground. All of its right. potential is released in building a new life. But if right. that life itself doesn't achieve fruition, it could be lost forever. Right. And so and so there is a safety in remaining in stasis. The problem is that that's not the purpose of the world. Right. But even God, I think, as you introduce it, God, God could have just said, forget it. It says, you know, he may rock, you know, man's inclination is evil. From day one, forget them. Get rid of them all. That wasn't the point of creation. 
So even God says, "Come on, gamble again." Now, now God gives gives the world a chance through Noah, and and really, it it it, it depends on, on how you want to see Noah. Is Noah is the story of Noah a story of destruction of the world, or of actually a second chance for the world? Right? Is it a positive story or a negative story? Is it a story of hate between mankind? Or is it a story of uh, the um, the love of the people inside that ark that uh, that came together to hold on to the world and then gave the world a second chance and then themselves, you know, made a family and procreated? Now, I, I actually have a cat in our house living here, and I closed the door, and it wasn't supposed to come in, and now I see the cat walking around. It, it's it's like making a mess down here, messing around with my green screen, <laughs> and and I think to myself. Cat, get out! You're being annoying. But then the other side of me thinks, I guess this is your parsha. This is your Torah portion. That you have the right to kind of come in. These two large cats on the wall behind you there. Yeah, he's he's kit, kitty. Not now. <laughs> but anyway, the bottom Good line is that. that yeah, the, if you see the green screen move in the background, you'll know who it is. It's a little kitty. Uh, but the bottom line is that um, uh, is it is it a hopeful Torah portion or is it a or is it a destructive Torah portion? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'm not uh, so confident that it has to be one or the other. You know, I, I think that that life's more complicated than that. And I think that the children's version of this story about you know Noah goes on the ark and there's like the picture you're looking back on the happy animals and the and the uh, and the the rainbow over the top, etc. Belies the reality of the parsha that right. um, that that there you know the midrashim either what's Noah doing while they're on the ark? He's running back and forth trying to feed the animals he's so late to get to the lion that he takes a chunk out of him and that and that it's scary and dangerous and hungry and they're alone right man and wife are separated and and when he gets out what does noah do he plants a vineyard and gets drunk enough to fall on his face you know and yet he saved the world and god has chosen him and saw him as righteous right so i i just think that um the either or there is not in service of the story itself, nor is it in service of the way in which we approach the world. I think part of growing up is recognizing the fact that a story can be both tragic and heroic. It can be about salvation and destruction. Right. And yet, you know, and yet Noah's Ark has a way of uh, transcending almost all societies. It's famously written in many other religions in different forms, including the famous uh, Gilgamesh story. And so the story of the flood, and uh, it doesn't always have an ark in all the different versions but in the jewish version of it the the bible the the torah version of it uh it certainly has an ark and that ark is it is iconic it has survived like it's in it's in the public consciousness there's been many different movies some better some worse uh that kind of uh you know have an image of the ark but let's make the image of the ark a little bit more complicated for example rashi says that when when the the things were were put on board one of the things that came on board were the little Shadim, how do we call that? Little demons. Little demons, yeah. Little demons that are, here it is, umikol chai, from all the living things. This is chapter 6, verse 19. It says, umikol chai. And Rashi says, afilu shadim. Even the little demons had to, to that, that exist in this earth had to make it onto the ark because everything had to be saved. Moreover, the Medrash says that one of the hanger, hanger honors to the boat was this giant from this race of giants uh, called Og. And Og uh, is kind of swimming along 
with the ark, holding on to it, while there's a little hole through which Noah feeds, you know, uh, 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 his giant. I, I always like that image because I think to myself, that image reminds me a little bit of the evil inclination. It's like, okay, you're floating on the world, and somehow we're always keeping this giant thing, like the size of that very ark, we keep this giant thing alive, which is this, uh, this evil mm-hmm. inclination that's always, like, following us. So, so in both of those images, like, e- and the image that you spoke of before, which is Noah getting drunk later on, there's like this, like, there's this element of, um, uh, of, of bad coming with you into the new world. Yeah, because the Ark is not, I mean, it's true, it's, it's a messianic story in the sense of salvation that you referenced before. And, uh, but it's not a messianic um, story in the sense of redemption. Right. The human condition does not change. Mm-hmm. The nature of the world does not change. So we carry the problems which brought us to the point of the flood with us on the ark, and they come with us out. Right? In, in many ways, there's a parallel image that the, uh, that the sages developed um, about Am Yisrael carrying an idol through the splitting of the Red Sea. Right. Right? That, that, that salvation and redemption are not exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that we wait, let it be soon, let it be now that point where humanity will actually be able to transform and we can really leave behind the elements of our consciousness, of our behavior, of our society, of our relationships, et cetera, et cetera, that make our history cyclical. You know, that's the, that quote they attribute to Mark Twain. The history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. Right. And there are certain, there are certain ways in which it just kind of, seems to be going back and forth. And we're looking at a, you know, I think a lot of people have a sense today between COVID and politics and social media, blah, 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 all that, right? That we're in one of those couplet moments that like, oh, we've seen this before. And and nonetheless, you get a lot of people say, no, it can't happen here. Whatever the it happens to be in that sense, can't happen here. No, no, no. no. So, so the it, you mean like, a, like some kind of destruction or some kind of, uh, you know. Destruction kind of- and reordering. Remember the image, this right. is a creation story. Noah is a creation story. The difference is at the end of the first chapter of creation, we're presented with an orderly universe. Darkness and the deep have been pushed aside. Humanity is crowned upright on dry land, right? right? You should conquer and rule over it. This is the reverse. Darkness and the deep have been released. All of creation has been reduced to a chip of wood floating on the water where humanity is racing frantically around inside just trying to survive. Those are both stories of human experience. And the question is, is which one do we want to make permanent? Because the, the, the chaos, which is the motive force for creation, chaos always precedes creation, that has not been removed from existence. It has right. only been pushed aside. Right. And, and chaos, is, chaos is entropy. Chaos is the, the opposite of what mankind really is supposed to do, which is order things, beautify things, uh, care for things, create things, use matter and time and money and whatever powers are 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 at a, and health, whatever whatever powers a person has, creative uh, powers, he is as Rashi says, like God in the sense that he creates worlds. Like we are supposed to be creators. Again, I like that term procreation in, in the sense of like, you know, what's big we're thing pro- in this Parsha? Right. What's that? It's a big theme of this parsha. That's right. That's right. And yet, and yet, Lou here asks. I'm putting it up on the screen right now. Lou asks, 
what lesson should we learn from Noah getting drunk later in his life? Right? So Noah, when he comes out of the ark, he uh, plants a vineyard, turns it into wine, and kind of gets drunk. And, and take that together with what we said earlier that Noah's, the, his name, which is bringing comfort, one of the explanations is that he's a kind of, like you said, John Deere or, uh, you know, a, a, uh, a soil scientist and is bringing... Well, you know what John Deere was famous for, right? Can we just clarify that? Can we remember? What, what is he famous for? He, he invented the self-cleaning plow. Meaning, it's specific. If you look what Rashi says that that Noah did, I was I wasn't just throwing out a random comparison. But anyway, oh, so what what's the lesson to be learned there? There's a number of them. The first one that comes up for me is that, um, like I said, is that salvation is not a neat process. Noah made it, but there were scars that would never heal. Right, right. So he was um, still he still brought over the old world, the old darkness from from, from the world before him. And even I if think he was better than the rest of society, he was still somehow debased by it. Right, and he understood when God said that the the, the adam rach ra minurav, right? That that man's inclination is evil from birth. That 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 was a judgment on the world, and therefore you could ask the question: Why have I just done all this? Would it have been better for me not to survive? Right. Um, I think also there is a, a piece in there of this question, which is rooted in the beginning of the parsha, when it says "Tzadikaya b'dorotav." Right. That that uh, that Noah was righteous in his generation. There's a classic debate by our sages whether that means that in his generation he was righteous, but if he'd lived in the time of Avraham, he'd just have been a schlepper, just another guy. Or is it wow? Even in his generation, he managed to be righteous. And I think that that tension exists within Noah, and it might just right. be that he reached his limit of righteousness. <laughs> you know? I think, I think another way, to, there's two more ways that I could, that I could see it. Is one, <coughs> uh, this is a very modern way of looking at it. There's a bit of PTSD. And yeah. sometimes the generation that saves, like the generation that came out of the Holocaust, isn't this generation that is going to bring you, they're going to bring you, as you said before, survival and not salvation. Uh, because they did go through some serious trauma. And so Noah, in a sense, is like traumatized. That's one way of, like a modern way of looking at it. I think another way of looking at it is that, uh, and this is a biblical principle, which is you got to keep being on that journey. There isn't a time in this world where you're like, oh, I survived that, now I can chill. That's, I'm, yeah. I'm done with, 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 the, with, the, with the travels and the travails. All right, now I'm on the land and and, and like I've, Earned my my uh, my stripes, and now I can chill and just have that cup of wine and just relax because I did my thing, and now I earned the right to relax. It doesn't work that way, and we learned that from from Jacob as well. You got to keep being on the journey, keep being on the path in this in this lifetime. And so the, his mistake was that he was like, "Oh, I did my my big task in this world," and God's like, "You know, if you don't, if you're not going up, you're going down," and that's what happened to him. Yeah. I hear that. I think it's a good one as well. You know, you're having trouble with your camera. I don't know if uh, if you're seeing oh. that as well, or it's just no. What, what's the problem? Are you, you're pixelated. I'm pixelated. Oh god. Or maybe it's just me. You can ask the other. You can ask the other listeners, but I, I I feel fine. But that's that's what happens when you go virtual. Sometimes you feel fine, but you are in fact pixelated. But you um, look marvelous. I feel I feel marvelous inside, but uh, but on the outside, I may not really be myself. I, I may be, you know. Like, uh, like, 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 you know, I'm losing, like, it, it gets like Star Trek-y, you know, you're like, uh, you know, 
You're like, you're like, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm in some kind of phased moment here. Uh, speaking of phased moments, I have Gabi with here, me today. Okay. And got my son, Elazar, wanted Gabi to come on the program. As, if you can't it. see it, Gabi is a small, uh, what are these type of dolls called? Um, I forgot what the name of these. There's a name for these kind of dolls. But anyway, he's a little goat. And he too was a kosher animal. Goat. Yes. And he, see, me and him have a little bit of similarity. Can you see that? Can you see the similarity yet? Yeah. Uh, anyway, he made it on the ark, and, and he's a kosher animal, so he's very happy to be with us here today. At least until um, he got off the ark and we shecked him for the sacrifices. He was he was happy for that as well, okay? He was happy I knew you were going to chosen. Knew you were he, was chosen. That way. he was chosen. Now, uh, I want to um, I want to say that there are two ways to proceed. This is the Dvar Torah that I gave my kids last night. There are two ways to proceed in this world uh, in terms of in terms of like knowing where true north is, knowing how to, uh, what guidance do you get? And that there's one word in this week's Torah portion which teaches us uh, both those ways. And that word is tsohar, tsohar. The word tsohar has as a, as a div, kind of uh, not one meaning. There, there's more than one way to understand yeah. the word tsohar. One way is that it's a window. But another way is that it's a glowing rock. Um... An orb, uh, if you will. An orb, right? Something, something with uh, you know phosphorescent or with uh, radioactive luminescence. and luminescence. In in simple terms, something that has its own energy. So I tell my kids yesterday. I said to them, that, "That's one of the tensions in this world. On the one hand, you got to look to know where you got to go. You got to look outside. You got to use your eyes, open them wide, and look and see what are my parents leading me towards." What are my great teachers and rabbis and, and other teachers leading me towards? Who are great people that I can look towards? And you got to open your eyes. And in fact, I think there's a halacha, there's a Jewish law that you're supposed to have a synagogue with a window. You're supposed to yes. be able to look out into the world. Um, that may have some reference to the ark having to have a window. But I told my kids, on the other hand, that Sohar is not necessarily a window, but sometimes it's that internal energy source, your heart, that tells you, what good and bad is where you should go, and and uh, and you know what what is your personal energy in in inside of you? Where is it leading you to? And there's a tension between those things. Uh, a, a wise man told me yesterday when I was at a store. He said to me, "Where was that?" He said to me, "The mind leads us to the. It helps us get rid of 80%. Oh, now I remember who it was. It was a very smart professor named Gershon Bar Kochba in Hebron. We were talking about schools for kids. So he said to me, the mind leads you to be able to cut away about 80% of choices. But then the rest of the 20% of choices, the heart comes in and it says like, this is the right way. This is the right way. So the mind guides you. What's the mind? The mind has a window onto the world. It's connected to the eyes. It looks. It thinks. It adjudicates. But then at the at the twenty percent, you're like, yeah, this would work. This would work. But this, my heart says to me, is the truth. And I said to the kids that they have to learn how to develop both those things. On the one hand, good eyes and looking at others. But on the other hand, listening to yourself and having a as as Rabbi Jeremy Gimpel says, a lev shomer. A, a hearing heart, uh, which uh, he quotes, he quotes uh, Solomon for that. Uh, but but the point is, is to understand the tension between those things and to figure out, you know, how to live life. What do you, what do you think about the tension between looking out and, and listening in? I mean, 
I think you analyzed it quite well on the personal level. What was coming up from you while you were saying it is the task of Am Yisrael. You know, that, that um, we're characterized by Bilam much later. We'll get there in months and months. Um, as Am Levadad Yishkon, right? It's people that dwells alone. There's a certain element that we're supposed to be, you know, Midrash says, Karcha de Kulabe, where everything comes from within us. We're a city that has all it needs. We don't reach outside. At the same time, we know from our history that um, adaption and even assimilation has been one of our primary tools of binding together the pieces of wisdom in every culture that we've encountered. Now, there has to be a balance. Right? We don't want to lose self in our quest for everything that lies outside of us. At the same time, we don't want to be left behind as the world progresses. Mm-hmm. Because even though the Torah is our possession, wisdom is a human inheritance. And, and there, there's definitely much to learn outside. And so, um, you know, if, if you, as you said, Am Yisrael is the arc of Jewish history, and I like the way, I like that idea. So then we ourselves are going to be constantly striking this balance. And uh, I just would finish by saying is that I think that the only way in which that balance can be maintained in a healthy fashion for us is when we're rooted in our land, but, but open to the world. Because if we're open to the world when we're not rooted in our land, we know what happens historically. We disappear, we become something which we're not. If we're closed to the world when we're rooted in our land, the the siege mentality sets in and, and I think we atrophy. I think, that, I think that both are really necessary. All right. So we, we to be rooted in the land, you've got to be willing to, again, like have the ark land and be willing to get rooted. We, we talked about the tension between being rooted and being afloat before. I just want to say, when a tree decides, quote-unquote, to put down roots, it's like forever. You can't pack up those roots easily. The only way you can pack up those roots is somebody comes and chops you down. It's not and always easy to... And then you go through concrete. To, right. But okay, but like, but like, it's not easy to like be like, you know what? Bad idea. I want to become a seed again and keep going. No. You know? Uh, and and people, God forbid, who who have had uh, divorces, know that that's it's not easy to pack it up again, and and, and you know you've the, the investments that you make are uh, the decisions that you make are oftentimes for the long term, and and they are not so easy to to pack up again. Uh, I only mean to say that I can understand the tension of people who of of of, of elements of Jewish society that can't seem to want to put down roots in the land of Israel. They're not ready yet. And I think we have a tension today between uh, Ark and non-Ark uh, Judaism. And I call that the difference between Mishkan Judaism, which is Tabernacle Judaism, and Mikdash Judaism, which is Jerusalem-based Temple Judaism. I think that we have elements of, uh, in our society of both, uh, in our broader Jewish society of both. Uh, in any case... Um, the, let's go to the theme of the rainbow for a second. The rainbow uh, is a type of gift where God says, uh, well, I remember the covenant and I won't destroy the world. So on the one hand, it's a happy yeah. thing. It's an oat. Let's, let's use the, the word of the, of the Torah. It's not a gift per se. It's an oath. It's a sign which embodies a covenant. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and in that sense, I understand what you mean by gift in the sense of something which God gave to us. But um, it, it's a powerful reminder woven into the fabric of creation that the covenant 
demands response. It right. is not a neutral relationship that we've entered into with the creator. And so, you know, when you see a rainbow, you're naturally drawn to it and you're like, that's beautiful. It's funny that Judaism has an ambivalent relationship with the rainbow. Uh, and there's a Rashi here, which is a great Rashi, which is uh, chapter 9, verse 12. And it says, um, it says, it says, uh, it says, this, this, this is four generations forever is this sign, is this covenant. But then Rashi says, but it's not written fully. That's to tell you that there were generations that didn't need the rainbow because they were better than that. They had great righteous people who were like, if there's this great righteous person, then you don't need the shield of the rainbow. And we're talking, of course, about the generation of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And when he was alive, there had ne- they never saw a rainbow. Like he's he's the rainbow, you know. He's he's yeah. better than the rainbow. Or maybe or maybe more correctly, there doesn't need to be shown a sign for the rainbow because there's this great man amongst you. Uh, and that I think also says something about Noah about how great he was or wasn't, in the sense that they did need a rainbow in his time. They did need a rainbow to show the covenant. Yeah, and, and I, the, the word I was waiting to hear there is, is zikaron, is memory. The, 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 the oath, a brief covenant has two elements to it. There's the contractual, I do X and you do Y, and that's why we've come together. Um, and, and then there's the um, sort of unconditional just a, there's a commitment. You're bound. You're bound. Whether you keep your end of the contract or not, the covenant is binding on us and on God, which is a crazy thing if you think about it. Um, but in order to actualize it in life, you need to remember. To remember, like that's why um, it says, uh, you know, right? I'm going to put this sign in the clouds, right? When they're when they're upon the land. And that, that rainbow will appear. And I'm going to remember my covenant. What? God's going to forget? God doesn't forget. And, and in the same way that God remembers Noah. No, it means that God's going to identify with the nature of humanity and the fact that despite the fact that we are our inclination is evil from birth, God has entered into a covenant with us in creation not to destroy us again. The same way, we have to remember our obligations to God when we see the rainbow. Right, because we can forget, we can think that we are able to do whatever we want without consequence, or that we can treat the planet however we want without paying the price. Right, and in zechira in Hebrew, it always brings to action. It's triggered to redemption from God's perspective, and it's a trigger to right action from humans' perspective. So the oats, I'm just pointing out that, that when the righteous aren't aren't themselves what saves the world. That maybe yes, maybe no, but in this context, the righteous are what remind us what the world's all about. Right. They're the speaking, speaking of that, speaking of reminding you what it's all about in the rainbow, uh, as I recall, you usually make a rainbow meal. Indeed. Is that I'm happening? Double rainbow later. Is it happening? Is it happening? What kind of question is that? Are you wearing a rainbow Lego watch all week? Um, I'm wearing. I'm, that's it. I'm dedicated to wearing this rainbow watch for the rest of the week. But but are you are you making the the traditional Rainbow meal? I am making the traditional rainbow meal. In fact, okay. of, of late, despite my wife's protest that it's too much work, I've taken to trying to make a double rainbow because I think it's just more fun um, out of the sort of like uh, the Salatim course and then out of the the main course. Um, anybody who's got any thoughts on blue foods that don't involve food coloring? Blue, purple, uh, indigo? I have, a, I have a thought about it. It's very simple for me. But it might not be actually blue. I don't know. 
But like, I love frozen blueberries. Me and my daughter Leah, we love yeah, frozen blueberries. We usually try to do it for dessert, although they're not as easy to find as one might like. Oh but- no, we we have them here at uh, Ramai Lavai. Uh, there's uh, pl- plenty of frozen Ramai blueberries. We, we, that's what we call Ramai Lavai. And yeah, maybe uh, a little cobbler, not a bad idea. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, it works. It works. And you put it on on some. Um, and you're you know uh, you but your meals are meat or I know you're vegetarian like. No, no, no. Rainbow, Rainbow Shabbos is strictly vegetarian, even though, <laughs> properly speaking, it should be meat, since this is also the Parsha in which humanity was given right. the permission to consume flesh. Well, well, let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about uh, flesh for just a second. Um, I'll meet you there. There is also um, an admonition not to spill blood, since the whole predication for uh, the flood is violence between mankind. And though, so then it says, it really, there's a very karmic, maybe the most karmic of all verses in the Bible. It says, Shafech dam adam badam damoi shafech. That's a very famous, damoi shafech. It's one of the most fun is, lines in the Bible to say. Right. It's a, kind of an alliteration, and it says, uh, he who spills, bl- a, a spiller of man's blood, a man shall spill his blood. By man, his and blood shall be shed. Shall be shed. Let me ask you a question. Uh, right now, we have uh, in Israel, we have this guy named Saeed Barakat, Doctor Saeed Barakat, who is also uh, a, a very kind of famous spokesman for the Palestinian Authority. Now, he uh, has had already a lung transplant in Israel, uh, and now is suffering very badly from COVID. Obviously, he's in a high risk uh, category, and he's he was on the verge of death a few days ago. He was transferred over to the Israeli hospital at Das and Karim in Jerusalem. Now, the problem with that is, is that um, Saeed Barakat is also a man who, till very recently, uh, supported uh, BDS, various blood libels against the Jews, including claiming that we're uh, poisoning the wells. Uh, he is a well-known uh, embezzler of millions of dollars of European money that was supposed to go to uh, the Palestinian people. Uh, and he runs this uh, anti-Jewish and anti-Israel thing called the Palestinian Authority, uh, which has paid millions and millions of dollars to murderers of Jews. And to me, he's like a modern-day Goebbels. He's an and enemy so of Israel. He's an enemy of Israel. And now you have the situation where he's in Israel's care. So, like, there's all this debate out there. One you know, side says, why should we care for him? And another side says... Because he's a human being, and then that's the Jewish thing to do. And then it's not the time to critique the man because he's dying or he's in horrible shape. <clears throat> and other people say, and I myself say, like, okay, you know, let's not talk about the question of should we heal him or not heal him, but we should talk about the question of who this man is and how we should relate to him. They asked me today; they wanted me to on TV, but I but I told them that I have to be on with you. And I said to, they they asked me like, do you believe that he should be taken care of in Israel? I said to them, you know what? That's immaterial. If Israel chooses to heal him, fine. Maybe, maybe that's the right thing to do. Maybe not. But whatever. That's like that's not the question. To me, the question is, if if they heal him, they should throw him immediately into jail afterwards. That's the that's the issue. The issue is like I'm I'm not like going to talk about you know whether they should, you know be you know harsh or not harsh. That's just not not interesting to me. Uh, what, what I would throw him in jail. Is, I would start a massive media campaign. You're welcome, Sahib Arakat. Right. The man so whose very right. life. Oh. 
depends on Israeli generosity and just just keep throwing his hypocrisy in his face because right. you know this is a man who also is part of an organization that has prevented his own citizens from receiving aid in this situation right. you know um and you know the the moral question there i think is um there's the abstract moral question i think is real like like you know taking a the stance to save the blood of your enemies it's not a simple decision you could take a utilitarian question hey you're spending all the money and energy on this guy when there are sort of other people who could be saved but in the end of the day i stand behind the general stance within israeli society we don't want to be those people we're going to save lives we might save lives and throw the guy in jail like you said or put him on trial or say but but we don't want to enter into those sort of moral chesed those equations because not because of the right or wrong because it's not going to make us who we want to be. But I think your response is the correct one. And if we really want to be who we want to be, though, we can't pretend that he's not our enemy. Right. Right. I mean, we, we I need- mean, I mean, Rav Mike, what what would you say to 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 Saul, King Saul, if he would have said like, well, but we don't want to be those people. It's true. I just slaughtered. All of those people, but like the king, you know, you know, I got to give him some respect. Or in this case, it's like, oh yeah, the average Palestinian could never get into, you know, a COVID suffering average Palestinian will either go to a Palestinian hospital or Jordanian hospital, probably not enter or a suffer at hospital, home. right, or stuff at home. But but this guy who's the head, the kingpin of this whole organization that 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 sends money to. To, to terrorists, this whole like system that, that he's part of creating. Well, yeah, but he's a big guy, so therefore he should survive. We'll so give you're him. also you're raising another piece there, which is in whose interest is it that that uh, he received that treatment? And uh, this is a perhaps uncomfortable topic for a lot of people, but the reality is within our own leadership, there's a vested interest in other leaders. You know, it's it's right. it's just bad for business when people in power are taken out of power, no matter if they're your enemies or your friends. Right. And, and there's a lot in common that leadership, even across the divide of combat, have with one another they, they don't have with the average person. And, and, and um, you know, all these people wishing Saib Erkat well out there, um, I think might have more in common with him than they have with you and I. Um, this is, this yeah, is a larger a, question. Right. That, that, that's a, that's definitely um, uh, uh, you know that's definitely part of the equation of of uh, of, of the political class, uh, but in any case, um, it's 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 definitely you know a moment where where this guy is laying in Israeli hospital, but not only is he dying or whatever or or or, su- or suffering and is very very ill, but I think that it's it's not a coincidence that he, Hanan Ashrawi. Uh, Mahmoud, uh, Mahmoud Abbas himself. Uh, this whole generation of these guys is aging. Some of them are ill, uh, but I think also it stands also for the the aging and the illness of the two state solution, which is itself on life support. Uh, and and there's, there's and being kept alive by us, right? By the way, I want to tell you, Rav Mike. I asked a simple question, which is like everybody's talking about the Jewish position on Saeed Barakat. What about the so-called Palestinian position. What about the the Arabs on the street? I haven't seen any yeah. prayers, any protests, any 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 uh, gatherings in mosques. It's hard for because me we to all know he's a beloved person, right? He's, we all know straight. what they actually think of him, because because poll after poll has shown that they 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 despise them and what they've done to, to their society. So to me, yeah. it's like we're all asking what you know what are the you know what's the moral thing for Israel to do? But what about the Arabs themselves? How do they see this person? 
but this goes to the point I was making before, is that one of the reasons that the two-state solution still exists, one of the reasons that the Palestinian Authority maintains any legitimacy in the eyes of um, political classes across the world is that we created them because we need them. Right. And, and, and whether you say we need them because you're a pragmatist, so-called, and, and, and say we have to have a partner for peace, or we, whether it's because you're so lacking in vision and courage to follow through on the Jewish project that you'd rather hand off half of it to a foreign people or anything in between, we created them because we need them. And therefore, the reason that Saib Arakat is receiving life support, literally, within our hospital systems, the same reason that the Palestinian Authority is uh, receiving life support, is that we don't want to face life without them. They fulfill a need for us. Right. Right. Sometimes you, you just don't want to come out of the ark. You just don't want yep. to come out of the ark. You just say you feel safer in the ark. Whatever it's... it's, it's tight walls are at least are familiar uh let's I, mean, I want to, to give you a little teaser now on that note and then i'll let you go is that either tomorrow or sunday depending on whether god graces me with the time i'm making an episode in the first of the post 67 israel response and and i've got some incredible thoughts from not an ultimate so i want you to make sure you tune in and when you do think about the conversation we just had i'll just be okay a and that's teaser. on your other that's on your other show called the jewish story that's right. Uh, which is which is found at JewishStory.co or here at the Land of Israel Network, uh, and also uh, at your new website, which is RavMike.com. That's right. Okay, very very Thank good, very easy to find. No problem. Uh, just do we have another minute? Or what do we have? Are we out yeah. of time? No, no. Let's just take another minute or two. Yeah. So let's just talk about the last, which is uh, something that is a little close to me, in the sense that uh, I remember I was in Manhattan. New York City uh, when the Twin Towers went down, September 11th, and uh, I'll never forget the thought that I had that this is connected, I thought that at, at that moment, that this is connected somehow to the story uh, of the Tower of Babel, the Tower of, of Babel, that was that, that, that got taken down by God when, uh, when society decided that they could use science to kind of defeat God, uh, and I think there's a, a real tension there. Uh, between like the the idea that science can defeat God or God can defeat science and the, the thing we discussed last week about Nietzsche, uh, and so uh, here you have a group of a, a society that wants to become famous, have a name, hold on to this earth by by scientific strength, by by the ability to build. Uh, kind of everybody in that society also turns corporate. People lose their their identity, but they're part of this like together projects so there's something nice about it they become bricks in the wall they become bricks in the wall they 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 literally become bricks in the wall according to the midrash um for those who fell uh, they don't matter anymore as individuals but there's this grand effort and that grand effort is one in which there's beauty in that it's united but there's there's something not beautiful about it because it, it instead of being united in the worship of god it's united in its challenge to god uh, and and it's not spiritual. It's scientific, and it's um, triumphantalism. Okay, it's it's a type of triumphant human society can 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 better all things and overcome all obstacles if we just huddle together and and use our scientific knowledge. We can defeat the the challenges of this world. Comes God and kind of he doesn't slay them. He doesn't kill them. He just he just uh, confuses them, confounds them, separates them uh, to their to their different parts, and and therefore therefore puts an end 
to to this um, cooperation, this corporate cooperation that that wasn't didn't have a spiritual root at it at its heart. Yes, and, and the big difference is, of course, that that um, the Torah's vision of unity is harmony and not homogenization. Mm-hmm. Right, that 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 humanity can indeed reduce can gain strength through reducing individuality. It's what you're describing, right? Um, whereas the Torah's vision is that the great strength of humanity is reflecting the diversity which is built into creation and finding a way in which we as individuals can work together. And that's why the image, right, um, that I'm sure we've spoken about in the past, of Evan Masu Abonim, right, that beautiful line that's in the Psalms that makes it as part of our sort of psalms of specific praise and, and hallel, right? the, the stone that the builders refused has become the head corner stone. The Midrash says, that stone's Avraham. Why? Because he doesn't fit. He's not a brick that you can just easily lay one on top of the other. And anybody who's ever known a Jew knows that that's kind of a characteristic of a deeply Jewish aspect. We just don't seem to fit. And when we get along, when you put us all in this country together, oy vavoy, right? <laughs> it's like, we can't seem to fit with each other. You know, it's... um. I, and I'm going to hand that's frustrating and it's maddening and it's dangerous. And I do wish sometimes we could get along a little bit more. We're willing to put aside our individuality for a little bit of our common practice. But ultimately, right? this is from God. Why? Because we're all created in the image of God, which means that no two of us are alike. And if we're going to, if we're going to harness the power of humanity in the service of our greatness... And it also has to be in service of that image of God within us, which can never be a homogenizing force. Harmony, not homogenization, is the Torah's vision. Okay. All right. Uh, the tower came down, and that, that's what I saw um, in, um, in September 11th. And I thought to myself, you know, this is a moment of uh, – this, this could be a moment of a great awakening. Um, of American Jewry and just in general, like I thought the world would kind of shape up into a different place. It didn't exactly happen. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a world today, which is again, in a, some kind of maelstrom, uh, the sense of, or deluge. There's the sense of uh, the American elections being uh, very up in the air and a very intense moment. Uh, and, and just in general. And yet, and yet through that, uh, I think that the, through the messiness of our time, the just like at the end of the Torah portion of Noah, where we're introduced to Avram, Abram, the kind of uh, the 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 Abraham uh, 1.0 before he becomes Correct. Abraham, right? I, I have to say that in this world right now of Corona, of politics, of of social media, and all this like this 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 kind mess. of vicissitude, this mess. <laughs> The one thing that actually I think is coming out here, which is an, an incredible light, is the Abraham Accords. So I think like there, there's there's a relationship. Like right now, there is a beautiful thing that's coming out in this crazy time, which is Abraham. Oh, I forgot to mention, uh, you know, Prime Minister Netanyahu, you know, indictment. By the way, happy birthday, Prime Minister Netanyahu. Uh, today's his seventy first birthday. Uh, yeah. But um, uh, you know, like like there's all the stuff that is trying to shake the foundations, and yet through this time, like Abraham, a light starting to shine in this world. And uh, and that's I think the Abraham Accord. So I'm very excited about this time, and I really think that the Arab world is is beginning a, a turn to come around towards Israel, towards brotherhood. Uh, and I'm uh, I, I do think that there's a great moment within all of this. And I, I and my wife says says to me like, "Are you drinking the Kool Aid? Or have you become totally like?" I'm like, "Yeah, 
I think there's something great happening here. I really do. Uh, and I, I, I'm a believer that this is a beginning of, of a new time. And more and more Arabs will come around saying, hey, Jews are our cousins. Let's stop this war. Let's stop these lies. Let's, let's get together and start working together towards a better, uh, a better Middle East. And at the same time, as there's this Abraham Accords light, there's the ensuing death of the two-state solution and its representatives. So I think that something good is happening. Hamas is basically being wiped out. See that? It's in the Torah portion. Hamas is, and, and that, that whole world is being wiped away, and Abraham is coming in. What do you think about that? That's a lot of, that's a lot of themes being tied in there. That's Rat Hashem. I, I hope that we merit to see it in our day. Amen. Rav Mike Foyer, thank you so much for joining us. Shabbat Shalom. I'm only a shtickle jealous that I don't get the uh, opportunity to, ha- to taste from your rainbow meal. Okay, and I and I want everybody to write me an email, Yishai, YishaiFleischer.com, or uh, what, what's an email for you, Rav Mike? Uh, Foyer at gmail.com. Foyer at gmail.com with your ideas for uh, how to make or any elements of a rainbow meal. So Especially the blue indigo violet. That's right. Okay, there's, there's a missing color there. Uh, so we're very excited about that. Rav Mike, thank you so much for joining me. And again, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. All right, folks, you are listening to Yishai Fleischer's show, and it's so great to be with you. And we do have some fabulous and wonderful uh, – first thing, let me let me put up this uh, banner here. This is Noah's Floating Genetic Lab with Rav Mike and, uh, and Rabbi Yishai. And I want to say to you that we have some great folks that make this show happen, our sponsors. First, check out blessedbyisrael.com. All over the world, you can have products from the land of Israel. Wouldn't that be really fun for you to have a product from the land of Israel, like an olive oil or other things? So go to blessedbyisrael.com, put in a coupon code Yishai, get 12% off. I know already a lot of people, there's been a few hundred dollars in sales at Blessed by Israel. And you can also really enjoy it and bless Israel and be blessed by Israel. Blessedbyisrael.com. Uh, great Jewish news uh, and great Jewish um, uh, and Israel content at jewishpress.com. They feature the Yishai Fleischer Show prominently. So thank you very much. Uh, um, check out also Natural Goodness from the Holy Land at Salves of Jerusalem. Salvesofjerusalem.com. Uh, I use it. I used it this morning. They're really great and organic, and they'll make you glow. That's right. They don't have a brand like that yet, but I think they should have Moses Glow uh, skin care products at, at Salves of Jerusalem. They don't have that yet, but they have other stuff that's really good. Check it out, salvesofjerusalem.com. Of course, the Jewish community of Hebron uh, will not uh, – will not. Uh, well, it will continue to survive, but it needs your help to continue to survive well, and you'll be blessed through uh, helping the Jewish community of Hebron, which is the – uh, Tomb of the Fathers and Mothers. That's HebronFund.org. And Techelet, T-E-K-H-E-L-E-T. That's the biblical blue string that's back after 2,000 years of hibernation. It's back. You can have it yourself. Coupon code Yishai will get you percentage points off. That makes a difference. Uh, and, of course, YishaiFleischer.com. Your help is always appreciated. Thank you so much to Moshe Herman uh, and to Tabitha and to Ben Breski and to Yuchavid for getting the show out to the world and all the good work that you guys do. Uh, so help us keep the show going out to the world widely and freely. Uh, and also, of course, the landofisrael.com, the Land of Israel Network is a fabulous podcast, Israel podcast network for you. Uh, so we've got a lot of friends out there, and I want to wish you a Shabbat Shalom and lots of blessings from the Land of Israel. Share this uh, podcast or video with your friends. Let me know if you need any changes or anything to happen. 
Much appreciated, much obliged, and lots of love from the land of, of loving, really, the land where God's eyes uh, are on it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And, of course, it's a land of blessings. When you're connected to it, you are blessed. The story of the Jewish people, the, the Torah, and the land of Israel, they come together and bring you blessings when, when it's part of your life. My recommendation is have a picture of the land of Israel in your house. Drink a, a, a bottle of wine or a bottle of uh, soda pop or, or a soft drink from the land of Israel. Just plain water. It's really an absolute blessing to be part of this great time and this great story. So lots of love, and I'll see you soon. And shalom. All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show. That was Rev. Mike Foyer. We had Maka Fleischer on beforehand. And now it's time to end up the show and to really thank you for the amazing strength that you give me and the koach that we have together in, in making this world a better place. And I'm sending you love and light from Judea right now. I'm looking out the window. I see the, the mountains of Judea. I can see Ruth walking here. I see King David being born here. I see Abraham heading towards Jerusalem right on these mountains. And that's giving me strength, and I want to pass that strength on to you. Write me an email, yeshai at yeshaifleisha.com or yeshaitthelandofisrael.com. It makes a difference when I hear from you. It really gives me a lot of strength. So, so, so pay it forward or pay it back by writing me an email and stay connected in all the various ways that you're connected. Write us a good review on one of the podcast systems that you listen to. And that's it. Wherever you are, lots of blessings from the land of blessings. Shabbat Shalom, and may we all survive the ark and get to the story of Abraham next week. And Shalom. How did the Six-Day War affect the American Jewish community? Tune in for an exclusive interview with former Israeli ambassador to Israel, Michael Oren. If you had given my great-great-grandfather a chance to live in an age where there would be an independent Jewish state with a strong, principled, victorious army, which triumphed over forces that were seeking to kill Jews, and that army would gain the respect and admiration of all the nations of the earth, you'd have a hard time convincing my great-great-grandfather that this wasn't a miracle. For the full interview, check out The Jewish Story with Rav Mike Foyer on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Shalom, everybody. This is Jeremy Gimpel from the Land of Israel Network, but also from the Land of Israel Fellowship. We have members from 31 countries joining us every week, Sunday, live at 6 p.m. For those that can't make it live, they get a direct recording. Just go to thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship. We're growing together. We're learning together. We're celebrating together. The gates are open for all who want to come and join. 